0: Hello and welcome to episode 87 of Rebel City Podcast. This week's guest is Callum Flanagan. Callum is a host for a grief support group called Let's Talk About Loss. Let's Talk About Loss, um, they do peer support, which mean matter uh, more than well-versed in, having spoke to a lot of, sort of male uh, mental health peer support groups. But we had like a really cathartic conversation um, talking about what the group's about, Um, Talking about Callum's personal experience we lost, he lost his mum at 16, and me and Matt shared a couple of times in our life where we have lost loved ones and our experiences, and it was incredible to actually hear a lot of the similarities that we all faced. um, Attitudes for others and talking about how grief is actually a taboo subject. And we also, even Callum, came up with some excellent suggestions on how we could educate young, young people in this area. Um, at the end of the podcast, it tells everyone how to get in contact. So if you're someone who has lost a loved one recently or is grieving, then I think that this is an incredible way of actually dealing with your grief through peer support and um, sharing our feelings and experiences. Um, hope you enjoy. If you enjoy the podcast, please go give us a review on Apple Podcast, like the YouTube content and send us any feedback that you might have. So, and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. Um, <clears throat> this week's guest is, Callum, what's your second name, buddy? Flanagan. Call- oh, see, this Zoom thing, like, it comes <coughs> up. Oh, I need to do it. It's about the fifth or sixth <laughs> time I've done that to somebody. Every
1: every time we've used them, you've done it, mate,
0: like <laughs> Aye. So Ka- <laughs> uh, Callum Flanagan. <laughs> uh, how's it going, bud? Very good. Yeah. Happy birthday, good you mate. Thank you. It birthday it's yesterday. nice to have you. <laughs> so we're well, here to talk today about uh, let's talk about loss. Um which is I believe is it uh is it focused on men? Is it like a, a men's grief? Uh, no, it's just it's, in general.
2: It's just general for young people um, aged eighteen to thirty-five. Okay, so I'm just outside young people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
0: slightly further outside young people. But I'm <laughs> considered young. I've not considered myself young in a long time. But Callum, do you just want to introduce yourself um, to the, the people that will be listening? Just give us a sort of general flavour of what you're about, mate.
2: Yeah. Um, so I'm Callum. Um, I study for a PhD in wind farm development um, at Strathclyde Uni, uh, we also build a wind-powered car and we were supposed to race that um, this month but it was been called off. Was that in the press? Um, Did you get some press coverage about that? Uh, a
0: wee bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I read something about a wind-powered car for Strathclyde University, so um, yeah, and, that's uh, a whole
1: episode in itself.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well we can, we can you can get me back we you
1: in next weekend
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and i'm a I'm a host of let's talk about loss and i've been for for a couple of months so what is let's talk about loss um so it's a a bereavement organization which uh, supports young people between eighteen to thirty five who have lost someone pretty dear to them um so what we try and do is have like a monthly meetup where you know we'll just like go for coffee or go go to a bar and sometimes like we'll do other stuff too uh like more more exciting things like going bowling or something like that Mm -hmm. um so we try and do that monthly um and we like you know message each other in between it's much more of a like you know make friends who have have been through a similar thing rather than we support you you know it's it's kind of like a a very well like integrated network so like although i'm a host like i get just as much out of it as a, mem- a regular member does
1: okay mm-hmm. so it sounds like it follows quite a similar format to some of the like groups we spoke to in the past about you know like just support groups that people have put together after their own back yeah and a kind of informal structure where everybody kind of pitches in yeah
2: very much so cool how did it get started um so Beth, the big boss lady, um, she started a blog when she was at university a couple of years ago, I think, um, maybe like 2018, 2017. Um, okay, something. and then, um, with like the you know the kind of, um, you know, responses she got to her blog posts, people were were, um, talking to her like she started doing a meetup for for these people in in Nottingham where she went to uni, and now it's she like taking up further on and she now like coordinates like i think we have 23 groups across the country um in in different um and then she like you know provides us with the training we need and and the help we need and things like that to to get everything going
1: and i'm assuming that that was that the the blog that you're referencing was something that she put together after i'm 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 assuming experience some sort of loss herself
2: yeah um her her father died when she was at university
1: it's a tough one. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of pressure on you already when you're at university or when you're in that early sort of late teens, early twenties mode. Like you're just finding yourself for the first time and then imagine dealing with that type of loss would be quite, quite a complex issue.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I know from my own personal experience, I, mean, I lost my dad when I was 21 and I mean, I felt like a, I felt like a child. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like an adult. I didn't know how to deal with it. Like, I was... It wasn't just... I think that the thing that that I found really difficult was having to try and support my mum through, yeah, like, definitely. her grief, which felt like a mountain in comparison to what what I was going through. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like life just comes and just hits you square in the face. It's just so many things that you've never, ever been prepared to deal with. I don't think that there's... Much in the way of any kind of preparation through education or even through university to to deal with these things. These, this is almost like it feels like I mean the mental health sort of thing where it's a bit taboo to talk about yeah. like how you deal with loss and how you deal with grief. Is that something that people sort of find in general?
2: Yeah, uh, everyone says that exact same thing, um, and I I say it too. So I lost my mum when I was sixteen, um, and I was like just just about to do my hires. Mm-hmm. uh and you know like you said uh it was just me and my dad who lived in the house at the time my brother had moved out so now i was i was thinking about like you know how much worse it would be for him because he's lost his life partner and like you know we m- me and my brother were still young there's still like milestones to happen that she's not going to be there for and he would have wanted to share that but then like you know talking to him more recently he was fought the exact same thing back at me like he I've lost my mum at a very sensitive time and you know he had to be strong to support me and I had to be strong to support him when you know it's weird how that's such a natural response when really like if we'd sat down and you know cried together, it would have it would have probably you know brought us closer together and and you know been a really nice thing and we could have like really bonded from from you know like a sad place which which would have been nice in the long run. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. I think it's been, I think my experience with death kind of like, and grief kind of like juxtaposes some of that to be honest with you because I first experienced all my elderly grandparents dying when I was very young, but it was something that was hidden from me, like up until my last grandparent, um, you know, it was something that I was told, like, I, I, I remember thinking back to a gran on my father's side dying and it was just like, she just went away somewhere and was never coming back sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. And everybody just accepted that because we were so young. But like when my last grandparent died, we were all there as a family. And it was a really it's actually like a really I look back on it now as an adult as, as a really nice experience in terms of that first and real encounter I had with it because it was surrounded by the family and we just peacefully went to sleep. But um even with that nice experience behind me, in my adult life or as a young adult, I've struggled to Come to terms with wasn't exactly the same kind of terms that you're talking about. So I don't know whether having a positive or negative experience at a young age makes a difference. But is there just stuff that everybody has to deal with, whether they've had that experience or no
2: Yeah, I would. I would think so. Um, I would like. So I've also my grand died when I was 18, which you know wasn't it wasn't as impactful to me because mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't live with her and 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 on all these things, but you know they were both so different in so many ways that like my mum dying didn't prepare me for my grand dying in in any way yeah so i would i would say that that like you know even even though you've you know some experiences weren't so bad it doesn't it doesn't make it any easier when it when things do hurt a lot more yeah Mm
0: -hmm. when you were telling the story about your dad there like it it Again, like I was saying earlier, it just feels very much like the sort of current mental health crisis that we're in where we're starting to really just wake up to the fact that ignoring things and just getting on with things is not the way to, like,
2: yeah, come out 100%. of these things
0: healthier and happier. It's actually about getting into them and getting into them more with people that you trust and sort of sharing those experiences. So I can understand why the group, like... um works for people like peer support Um yeah. yeah is there like some sort of is there like more standard I, I'm trying to think of like the, the best way to sort of word this question but is there a sort of standard process that we're starting to get now where people know how to deal with grief sort of start to finish or is it like still a bit we're trying to find our feet with like what kind of support people need. Uh
2: from from my experience, I would say we're still we're still trying to find our feet. Um, like there's so many different ways you can get support, but you know, a big problem with that is it's not all written down in the one leaflet. Um mm. and it's different for everyone and, and everyone everyone experiences loss in different ways. Like some people have like, you know, a long time to grieve before it happens, something very sudden you know different ages diff- different things going on in your life so there i would i would be surprised if we we ever found our feet with it, to be honest
0: really well, i would i would have thought that we might end up in some sort of like standardized sort of recovery program the way that we've got <laughs> for addiction the way that we've got for like depression anxiety like we've we've invested a lot of time and a lot of money into developing these because we've really needed that um, I would have felt that we could have potentially have done that, but I suppose, like you're saying, like uh, there's so many different facets, and there's so many different um, avenues. So, like, like sudden death, or like you're saying, somebody's got a long time to sort of say goodbye to their family, but then also the person that's grieving. I would imagine that their mentality, um, their life, really impacts yeah. how they deal with grief, and like a sort of in any kind of way. I mean, I've, I've. But I've recently lost an uncle. Um, he wasn't a close uncle, um, but his girlfriend, she's not dealt with us in any way, shape, or form. And like, she needs support. But the way that she's actually like expressed that cry for help is to be like attack people. And I was trying to say to my family that because obviously, like, we're not related to this woman. She's my uncle's yeah. girlfriend, and it's not a close uncle. But unfortunately, like, my mum and we are the next of kin. So we're the only family that's actually left. So we're having to deal with all these really personal things. And she's come out and attacked. Now, I'm lucky that I've been like trained in mental health and was saying to my mum, saying to my sister, and saying to everybody involved, this woman's not well. This is not, like, she's not attacking you just now as, like, some sort of, it's nothing personal. She's just not feeling well. And then she's been to the doctor and and it's um, she's been getting the prescription and stuff. but. I think like when people that that's probably something that people should really be aware of. And that's what I'm i am saying. Like there should be some kind of like information where we can kind of try and say to people if somebody loses somebody and you find that they're attacking you or they're angry, don't take it personally, like help the person through their grief, because uh, you've got to imagine it's, there's got to be some situations where somebody does do that and the family just push them to the side or, you yeah. know what I mean? And that just makes it worse. Just compounds things. Yeah.
2: Yes, uh, I 100% agree with that. So our, our slogan for Let's Talk About Loss is, is talk through the taboo. So the more, the like, my overarching perspective is, you know, the more people talk about it, the more we'll understand, you know, like, some people lash out, some people isolate themselves. Yeah. You know, people do different things. and But everyone, you know, everyone just needs to talk and, you know, be educated and on what, like what people are likely to feel how people feel where the support is even for like you know someone like my friends when i lost my mum, you know they were all 16 and they yeah. were looking at me as someone as like you know you kind of have to you know tiptoe around like you don't want to say the wrong things and like i could i could be someone who was like going to lash out at a weird you know a random moment so like if if it was you know in a in a um in the best possible situation if everyone just talked about it all the time you know they would have been in a far better position to help me and like i would have been in a far better position to help myself yeah
0: yeah i mean the one that i got a lot was you would be in groups of people and this isn't an insult to any individual because i mean matt was my friend when i went through losing my dad and even my closest friends would start speaking about their dad, and then they would get that they would you would see yeah. that the twig would, and they would be like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and I would be like, "Listen, I want you to speak about your dad. Like, uh, don't, don't like, not speak about your parents because I'm in the room. It makes it actually makes me feel uncomfortable if you do sort of edit what you're talking yes. about. Just talk away. I, I want to hear about that, and of ov- obviously that makes me think about my dad, and I want to think about him, and I, I want, you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. it, it's almost like the opposite of what your intuition, your intuition says, don't, don't talk about it. If you're in front of them, don't, t- don't touch it. But yep. again, this is what we're learning about everything in life. And its that when we've got all these shared experiences and we all seem to go about our own ways of getting over them. And the best way of doing it is actually to come together and like talk. It's just such, it's such a simple solution. It's such a complex problem. Do you know what I mean?
1: And it's a model that's working. I mean, when you compare notions of grief management way how you handle your mental health like there has been a generational shift that already shows that it can happen you know what i mean that people can actually move forward and how they think about things like in my lifetime i've went through as i said being completely excluded for the process as a child to now. you know, you know what i mean being out here with you guys talking about it and, and sort of open so i mean you know, things change a lot and of course even just one lifetime, you know what I mean? So hopefully that's something that can actually bed in and allow you because right now, and it's part of the reason why we, we obviously agreed to, you know, get this going today was that there's going to be probably now more than ever a, a lot more young people in that 18 to 35 bracket who find themselves confronting death and loss for the first time and, and way very, very little notice probably in a lot of cases. Um, what, have you had to make changes to how you approach things with COVID on
2: and the the, uh, the mix? So we've we've actually in our in in the Glasgow group we've not had anyone um, join us with with a COVID related death. So we've not we've okay. not reached that point yet. But I imagine in other groups that that has happened. But um, the main kind of changes we've had to make is that obviously we can't meet up in person. So um, we've we were like a a pretty new group, right before it happened, we only had one uh, real life meetup, so we okay. decided to instead of doing monthly Zoom calls, we would do like weekly catch ups with like small groups of people. Um, I think we were the only uh, location that tried to do this, so, but we were just trying to like make get everyone to know each other and get make friends really quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think it worked. It worked really well, especially with like, you know, if you're on a Zoom call with ten people, you 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 find yourself like you know trying to get a word in and it doesn't really happen but when there's like three or four um you know just it's you you have far more time to speak yeah and then even if like if you don't want to if you're like a little bit shy it's not it's not that weird either um so but then we've done we've done like a quiz night um we've done a bingo night um i mean most of these things like they're not they're not like brilliant fun but mm-hmm. it's nice to like come together and then after after we like you know had a couple of rounds of bingo we get we had like a chance to talk about you know how things are and like how our grief has changed like during during this time of um, yeah. not really being allowed to see your family and you know especially with like things like milestones uh so like death day anniversaries yeah and um, birthdays mother's day was a big one uh father's day too actually um so that's been quite different and people have had quite like interesting things to say say about that and, like i i'm quite different with the milestones i think than everyone else like i get really excited about them it's the it's the days where i get to talk about my mum, and no one tells me to stop <laughs> <laughs> fair enough uh so like obviously my mum. i'm 23 now so my mum died uh seven years ago and I didn't like talking about it at first because I didn't want to make everyone uncomfortable. But now, like, when it's Mother's Day, uh, we, me and my family usually go for, like, a Mother's Day meal, uh, which was slightly weird until my brother's wife had kids and then it made it okay again. <laughs> 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 um, so we would usually do that. And, like, on my mum's birthday, like, I would, we would always, like, get together and, like, you know, just we would just get a chance to talk about her, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah absolutely I used to find that, that. yeah i used to
0: find that i was the same like i didn't want to talk about my dad in front of people in case it made them feel uncomfortable until somebody said to me like when i hear you talk about your dad like i love listening to you talk about your dad because you're not only demonstrating to me that because it, it was a close mate that was saying i didn't know how i would handle what you went through and You were demonstrating not only like a sort of strength to be able to talk in front of people, but almost like role modeling to them that it's okay for them to ask me about, like ask questions. I had a not long after my dad had died, I think maybe within the first year, I had a friend that his grandpa had died when he was over in Spain. Um, And he came back from Spain, and I remember him sitting and he was just not saying anything. And I said to him, Are you okay? And he was like, I'm really upset about my granddad, but. I don't feel like I should be upset because you lost your dad last year and that's a bigger deal than losing your me losing my granddad. And I was like, mate, listen, it's all relative. Like both of your parents are still alive. I lost bo- all of my grandparents within the first 10 years of my life. You've still got all of your grandparents alive. So your experience of losing this first grandparents going to be massive. Just, do, do you know what I mean? Like don't ever feel that my grief, is that something that you find maybe in the group that somebody like, devalues their own grief versus uh, like other people
2: like that, comparative grief no i think within within the group like everyone's got different stories and everyone feels valid within the group but i definitely like outside of that like when uh like one of my friend's grandparents died um he he kept it very quiet and then like you know very similar thing i asked him if he was okay and he basically said like you've lost your mum like I shouldn't be this upset about this Mm. but within the group like um a lot of people have lost you know different people um in different situations and we mainly talk about how it's different to find ways it's the same so like it's more it's more about oh how how was this experience for you it being different to me and and then like trying to you know find common ground and, and find something to connect with uh, which i think is really nice like it's really good it's really great to get to talk about things with people who understand you know when you say something that sounds really weird that like you know uh I feel, like say i feel guilty for not being not crying today you know if it was like pretty recent people understand that whereas like your friends who might not have experienced that would be like no, surely. Sure, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, just like, things like that—a like, sign of
0: recovery. Like oh, yeah. you must be getting better because you're not crying about it every day. When in actual fact, you're feeling it, but you're just—it's not shown up mm-hmm. in that way. And like you're saying, there can be some associated guilt, which then makes it even worse. It's just compounding uh, stuff, Do you know. What it's right?
1: all part of the taboo, is it? That we were talking about where, you know. Fathers and sons don't want to express or that need to feel the need to display that strength that we were talking about. How people don't want to, you know, step on eggshells and offend people. It's all tied into that notion of this is something that we shouldn't be talking about, or like, this is something that we should be dealing with privately and in our own way and blah blah blah. And like, sure, that's part of it, but like, we have to talk to overcome
2: these exact things. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, so like the the specific like well the differences between male grief and female grief are like my main motivators for joining the group trying to okay. become a host um because when so i i found out about let's talk about loss through another one of the glasgow hosts ruth um so this well there's three of us me ruth and emily um she posted on her Instagram that she she's starting this group and I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Like, I'm so proud of you for doing this. You know, um, this will be really great. Is there anything I can do to help you? Or like, do you want me to come along so like, you know, there's going to be someone there. Like, I was mainly going along the first stage to like support her. Okay. through Like, you know, make forming this group and like trying to make something off it. And then, there was no other men there, which wasn't a surprise to me. But what was, is that, all the women that were there looked for this kind of thing. They all looked for a support group, and I was a wee bit shocked, like, because I didn't even think that things like this existed. And then I went, I went home, and I spoke to my pals and I spoke to my family, and I was like, "Would any of you know that this this is real? That this this thing and thing happens?" And they were all like, "No, I wouldn't even wouldn't even bother looking for it. I don't like." Some of them would said that they didn't think it would be for them, and some of them said that like it would be, but they just didn't know it was a, it was a thing. So that was then, you know, a bit of a wake up call for me that like we kind of men need our hands held a bit more in making the first step. So if if I'm, if I can be there and be like, you know, a face of, let's talk about lost Glasgow and um, show Like make it easier for men to get in the door because I can imagine there'd be a lot of people who'd be intimidated by joining a group of ten ladies. Yeah, Um, Uh,
1: if that was our first experience, I'd try to open up about
2: it definitely. Um, Um, and then like, people they're more you know likely to connect with my story because we'll we'll go we're like you know do similar kind of things with our friends and that. So like that was a main motivator for me to join and to become a host to just kind of get more men involved. Um, and more men, like, wanting to, you know, cry in front of each other. Yeah, a, that's
0: going to be a big hurdle, I think, like... Um, Don't like, make that yeah. your tagline, like, a place, for, <laughs> a
1: place for men to come and cry, yeah. you know, like, See, when I
0: think about, like, the differences in reactions, and I suppose, like, Matt's got a story as well about, like, losing a friend in his early 20s which amongst a group of men, yeah, but like but the difference in reaction that I got the the last major loss that I had was my dad. Um and all of the women in my life were asking me if I was okay and all of the men in my life congratulated me on how I dealt with it. So I can remember like just as like a sort of personal story, my dad had suffered a long time with heart disease and it, He knew he was going to die, so like 24 hours, 48 hours before, and we got to go up and say goodbye, which I'm so thankful for that we had that opportunity. But he said, I was in a band at the time, um, and we were doing gigs, doing a lot of gigs, and he said to me that he didn't want that to impact the gigs that I had coming up, and he wanted me to continue. Please go and keep um, doing what you're doing. And at first I was like, fuck that, like no chance. But then I started to think, right, do you know what? Like, this is what he's asked, so I kind of want to do it for him because he's asked me to do it. And after, I had a gig on a Friday night in Glasgow, and after that gig, there was a queue, of guy's outside the venue, and they were all just, can I believe you just did that? Like, you're such, just the strength that you just showed. See, internally, I was crumbling. I was absolutely, like, shattered. I went out after that night out, get fucking pissed drunk, had the funeral the next day, woke up hungover, had to go to my dad's funeral, was not a healthy um, experience for me in the slightest. But the difference between the male and the female response was, as I said, all of the women, my girlfriend, my friends put their arms around me, are you okay? But the men, it was like, you dealt with that so well, big man, and congratulations for that. Yeah, I was one of them. Yeah, that's it, man. And even I wore it as a badge of honour, I felt like that was my duty. I need to be... The big man here, I need to just go on with this. My dad's asked me to do that. This is what I'm saying to my mates. I'm going to do this. And they're all like, I can't believe that you're going to do this. But it made me think, I've Ah, done this.
1: You know, know, dropped your dad at the church at like seven o'clock and we're on the stage at the 13th, not like nine. It was like crazy. Mm It was actually like, so, and looking back when it was really unhealthy. But at the time, you just couldn't
0: it was ridiculously unhealthy for me in a lot of ways, but one of the ways that it was really unhealthy was is that I felt like, oh, well, I've done it. That's it. Like, I've, I, I, must, yeah. I must be over this because I'm doing all this and everybody's giving me the pat on the back. And, right, so this is how you deal with things. And it took me years to go over that because I went into a destructive part on the drinking and drugs and all these things that when I look back now were all stemmed for this sort of situation. And I think that it makes real sense to me when you say that there's no men in this group. Like we struggle. Yeah. We struggle to open up about everything. It doesn't even matter like what it is. Yeah. Um,
2: Yeah. When, when I first joined the group, um, when I was like saying to my pals, oh, I'm going to this thing. They just kind of looked at me like, are you still not all right? Seven years later. And then I was like, well, like, no, like, you know, like, my mum died. It's still mm-hmm. it's still a part of my life every day that, that she's not here. Mm-hmm. And like, although I'm, you know, in a much better place and like it's not it's not that upsetting for me anymore and I can talk about it like no bother. Like they still don't they still don't get it. Like they still they still don't, you know yeah. they, they don't talk to me in the same way that people that let's talk about loss do about mm-hmm. the situation. And then um you know like as you said like everyone was like patting you on the back like i went i went back to school the next day like i was like i'm not i'm not staying at home like, like wow. i've got i've got prelims coming up i've got exams coming up my mum will want me to do well i'm going to school tomorrow like i don't remember being at school for the next 2 weeks like just it yeah. was just all you know it a blur me. a haze like and everyone was like oh my god like how you're like you're so strong you're at school and like we would have like We tests in class and you know the teachers knew all about it and stuff and they were like you don't need to do this and I'd be like no I'm doing it and it was just like I just tried to make life normal but like that sounds so ridiculous but that's that's what everyone does isn't it it is
1: and I I think it kind of when we talk about men and that you know inability to engage with you know that does kind of lead into the story that, that Paul was referencing when I think I was like 19, 20, lost a, a car accident and I uh, was in a circle of about maybe eight to ten guys on a regular basis. Um, you know, we went to funerals, we cried at funerals, um, but that was really it. We went to, as you say, milestones. We went to the family for anniversaries and for birthdays and paid our respects and stuff like that. But I don't think in the entirety of the time where you know, we would be expected to mourn that we ever, one is ever addressed it in the group at any point, um, even though we were in each other's back pockets 24-7. Um, it just never came up. I mean, I think the closest thing we got to closure was that our funeral was on the day the um, UEFA Cup semi-final that Celtic went through. And we went to the funeral and we went to this wee old man's pub. And it was the tensest, most horrible 90 minutes ever because when us <laughs> were watching the football, and then when Celtic went through, the placement, absolutely, and you know, mental. We had this release just everything that had been going through the course of the day. And I think that's the closest thing we had to, like, collective closure was, like, Henrik Larson scoring in a football match. Like, it was, you know, again, like Paul's saying, just and unhealthy. Like, are you seeing a change in the amount of men that are attending? Is it starting to bed in? Is it something um, that you've so, seen progress on?
2: Um, I think there's maybe about across nationwide i think 20 percent of the members are men and i i think that's quite high beth yeah. thinks that's pretty low but um but because you know she she doesn't see things the way i do and i know that like men wouldn't really want to do this kind of thing and there, we've had two guys join us in glasgow but they've uh, they only they only came once and then and then haven't come back but like we get we get girls like that too as well mm-hmm. um so would and not not necessarily like it it wasn't for them as like it's not for guys mm-hmm. um but as circumstances all played a big part in that recently, obviously yeah um so i'm not really sure like i've i've only really been a host since uh since april and our first meeting was like the end of february so it's only been six months um Mm-hmm. So I, I can't, I've not really been part of it long enough to see like more men joining.
1: I've got to say, I feel like 20% is is probably a higher figure than I would have guessed. We've just yeah. both individually talked about being in groups that, you know, probably 10 guys at a time and the talk of grief in those, each of those groups was 0%, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. 20 feels like, I fair enough, there might be room for maneuver and improvement, but yeah. like if we're reaching 20%, then I would say that's still good work getting done
2: yeah i think i think so um so one of the things i'm trying to do but the uni's really slow is uh i'm trying to get like a chance to speak to like engineers well like a predominantly male subject that's also what i do um engineers and scientists like the start of their lectures you know at university just say like look like this is a thing that i do come and join us if this applies to you because yeah. i like as i said earlier like i just don't think people I don't think men in general know about this kind of thing. And like, you know, if you say like, oh, why, have you thought about going to a support group? You know, it sounds kind of really daunting. And it sounds, you know, if you are going to a support group, you can't hide that you're not, like, you don't need it. Yeah, like, You can't you can't go yeah. back to work the next day and be like, everything's fine, but, you know, I'm going yeah. to a support group tonight.
1: Um, yeah, you kind of switch it on and off just in the meetings.
2: Yeah. So like from... You know, I think everything stems to, like, you try and m- let make other people see, like, that you're doing okay. So, like, I think that's a main thing as to why, like, men don't really want to do this kind of thing or don't look for this kind of thing because you can't keep that facade up.
0: Yeah. It's got, then, to, be, it's got to be linked to the sort of stop crying, you know, yeah. man up. It's got to be linked to... We're, just, we're told from the youngest of ages that our emotions are... A weakness and that they won't serve us in life so i i i can i mean if i was to go back to being 21 somebody was saying to me do you want to go to a support group and talk about what's happened i'd be like fuck no are you kidding no like get Aye. me to the pub like Sorry. i want to go to the no but that's it yeah. like i want Aye. to go to the pub and i want to drink until i don't feel this anymore and then i want yeah. to wake up tomorrow and go on with it. that is what i want Aye. to do I'm laughing as a man that has used these services. (laughs) Yeah, I think that it goes back to what I was saying earlier on. Our natural instinct is to do that and to not engage. And I think think it's bred into us because, like you're saying, there are stark differences between male and female. Um, And even when they grow up in the same household, there's differences in male and female attitudes towards emotions. And I think it's got a lot to do with just the way that we're told. For like a young age, like their tears and their emotions and all these things, again, are just a weakness that that stems for the breadwinning mentality. I mean, if if we go back yeah. a generation or two, actually being emotional and grieving could have meant that you didn't bring the money home at the mm-hmm. end of the week. So I completely understand why these attitudes existed, Yeah, but if they're you're, so outdated.
2: If you're a working man down the docks, you don't have a contract, you turn up in the morning, if you're first in the queue, you get a day job. You get a day's work. Like yeah. if you take a day off to, to, to grieve, then you're not you're not getting paid that day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that'll have been passed down and, and passed down. But hopefully like now it might be shifting a little bit because, you know, more women work and and the, the gender roles I don't think are as strong. Like I would say in relationships I've had, the gender roles aren't as like fixed as they were for like my parents. Like my true my dad, sure. my dad no, went thought... went my dad worked away, he would go away for a month, he would come back, and like my mum would work part time the entire time. But like she was she was the emotional one with us and she would like deal with our problems and things like that. And my dad was like, you know you know, he's he is he is great. He's probably gonna listen to this, so like I shouldn't say too bad <laughs> too much about him like that. Um he is he is great with like talking about things now, but like when we were kids, like he, he went to work, that's what he did.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um I think that's probably gonna be uh one of the the good effects of the gender roles being blurred or broken is what I think they should, is that women will, there'll be a lot of sort of cross pollination of roles. So men need to engage with their emotions, with their children, and because that's just something that they need to do as these sort of rigid roles just go uh, into It's form. just something we should have always been doing. Yeah,
2: yeah. And like with, you know, with more women in work, they're going to, Demand that you know um, emotional stability is part of the workplace, which we we as men have never really you know yeah. pushed for. Um, and then uh, well being we'll with the benefits of that.
1: Well being yeah. is the the current like corporate you know yes. thing that's everybody's picking up. You know it was health and safety, and then it was mental health, and it's like well being as one that everybody's got their own well being officer and stuff like that. So I definitely think it has a change that we're starting to see
0: absolutely um is there a, a reason why it, it's restricted for 18 to 35 <coughs> was there a reason behind that or is it just because that's the group that
2: um, the people yeah, created so, that we're in um i think there's like a few there's a few things that kind of like you know come together i'm not sure why 35 was picked as a cutoff but um if the if people are under 18 we need different training so that's 18 is a lower cutoff yeah, um sure. but also like so when when my mum died at sixteen, I knew no one who had lost a parent. If you, but when you're forty or fifty, and your mum or dad dies, or like cousin, uncle, you know, you generally know people who have been through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And as let's okay. talk about losses is is a place to connect with people who understand you and understand your grief. It's not necessarily then as like i don't want to use the word important because it's important for uh, for older people too but it's really important for younger people to find people who have the same experience so that's why um that's like another factor but and then finally if if you're 40 and someone else is 18 use I have a complete, completely different life, and you know, you don't. You're not necessarily going to connect on a lot of levels. Someone who's eighteen is like just finished school, about to go to uni, or about to get their first job, and someone who's forty is probably like maybe got their own kids. You know, they've lived life a long time, and you. So, I would think that if it was all ages, people would be more concerned about who's going to be there. So, yeah. if, as an eighteen-year-old, you don't want to go to a support group that's everyone's forty to fifty, because everyone will look at you like a child. Yeah. Um, and, so it's about maximizing
1: the, the the peer group on side, yeah. the experience side. That seems fair. In terms of obviously, we've we've discussed the groups other other. So if somebody's listening to this, and you know, there's like other resources, is the like online, you know, pamphlets, leaflets, stuff that people can um, make use of. Or would it be just about
2: reaching it to like the local group and trying to get involved? Um, I would say reach out to us. Um, so let's talk about loss. Have a website, and it's got all the locations um, and who to contact on for each of them. Um, but like, so we have like quite a well relatively close knit grief Instagram community. So there's the grief club. There's one of the girls in in my. Uh, in my group. That's a group. really
1: chip on name for something that is probably quite upsetting to be yeah.
2: part of. <laughs> Um so one of the girls in the in the group has an Instagram account called uh, Am I Still a Daughter? And it's like, you know, um she puts like blog posts and stuff and like posts how she feels and it's quite um, you know, quite powerful and like it seems, you know, Am I Still a Daughter? That's gonna be really grim to read. But um you know grief is kind of grim but she does she does talk about it in a really nice way and there is like a few other things as well but i can't really remember off the top of my head um but yeah like um let's talk about lost instagram account our website the grief club Um, they're all they're all really good and like um whoever's running the accounts will will chat to you
0: yeah Mm. cool that was something I was going to actually ask you. Do you think that the sort of, uh, the information that we get from the internet and the support that we can get through social media, we see a lot of men, like Matt was mentioning earlier on, that maybe in the last 18 months we've seen huge amounts of men's su- support groups for mental health pop up. It's all been facilitated through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Do you think this is something that we'll, we'll actually see is just being a lot easier for people to deal with in the future as they have not only more information but people there that they can connect to speak in the DMs and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I definitely think so. Um because there will be some people who, you know, um hiding behind a screen will make them more comfortable if they want to talk to someone. Like well, for, talk, definitely. talking talking to a stranger is sometimes easier than talking to your best pal. Um but then that. um other way round for some people. So yeah def- definitely like the, the the Instagram community is is definitely um only going to get better and you can find someone who's got as close to or as far away from as same experience as you as you want to to find you know but when you if you lived in a small village of like 200 people um you know one everyone's going to know you two people might not have the same experience um but whereas like you know there's a lot of downsides to social media, but in terms of upsides is you can connect with people that you would never get a chance to connect to otherwise.
1: Maybe that's me just showing that I'm slightly outside the young person age range because the thought (laughs) of like trying to manage my grief via Instagram is something that until like three minutes ago would never, ever have occurred to me. So like fair play to the folk that are taking it to that platform because my brain still just associates it with flashing images. You know what I
0: mean? And that's coming for a pair of people that have, Sat down and spoke to like activists that have all started online, like on the ball, and the, you <laughs> I, know, like the endometriosis episode that we did. That's all like, um, which I suppose brings us back to like the fact that this was all started by females. Like, this is something that me and Matt find a lot is that um, women are like the the starting point for men getting their shit together, pretty yeah, much yeah. like across the board. <laughs> Uh, Dan
1: Proverbs said it way back in like episode five or six. You know, as he came in to speak to us about brothers in arms, and it's like brothers need sisters. So that way, the, the main, the highest proportion of men that take care of themselves at some point have done so at the urging of some of the women in their life.
2: Yeah, couldn't agree more.
0: What kind of kickback do you, are you getting for Strathclyde Junior that you're wanting to put a wee advert um, at the start of a lecture?
2: It's, you know, very trivial bureaucratic nonsense in my opinion um so i first went to the health and wellbeing people and i said i've got a grief support group that i would like to talk to you about so that if someone comes in the first thing you can do is check out this group and then if they don't need the support from the uni if they find it from us then that's one person that they you know one person less for them to have to deal with because they're already inundated with people yeah. but I explained this, you know, almost in those exact words. And then when I got an appointment, I walked in and they were like, "What? so what brings you here today? And I was like, I run an grief support group. And they looked at me as if you're supposed to be here because you're not well. <laughs> oh um, so it just didn't get, it didn't get passed on from my email to the receptionist to the person who was taking my wellbeing. Um, so I was like, that wasn't great. They took a flyer See? off me. They didn't put it up. I went and looked, um, so I just went way over everyone's heads, Went to the head of the electrical engineering department, and he was like pretty, you know, psyched about it. He wanted to get stuff done. He was like, "I can, I can get you time at the start of lectures," but when, you know, when he tried to take it a step further, the people were upset about, um, you know. Data privacy, and I was like, "That's got nothing to do with it." I just want to just want to go to a lecture, but two hundred people. There's going to be someone there who either knows someone who's affected by this kind of thing, or is affected by it. And if I did that for all the years in the engineering department, it's only one lecture. You know, five minutes at one lecture, but they're just really slow. They're just really slow. I had to have a meeting with someone at the end of the month to finally get get some positive.
0: Um, Does the university have any sort of like tangible grief support available at the
2: moment? Um, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. There's, well, there is that the help you, you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've, I've never, I never looked for that kind of thing from from the university. Like, I don't really, I don't, mm. I don't. So I'm
0: just thinking about is that being somebody, somebody preserving their job. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> these things come across people's desks and they think that's great, but um, that might mean that I don't do you know what I mean like (laughs) self-preservation something but I mean saying something like GDRP or data protection and you're offering people a service and you're giving them a leaflet and then it's up to them to go and reach out it's not Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like there's an affiliation involved or any sort of danger of the university getting slack for offering people grief support it just feels Mm. really sort of uh, inhumane to me that they they uh, need to do.
1: uh, In their defence when I was there 20 years ago, having my first melt-in, their support services were absolutely like, life-saving. But again, that's been a long time since I was there. You
2: know I, mean? I, I imagine their support services are really good, um, but you know, I also imagine one of the biggest problems they have is that more people want help than they can help.
1: And I think as well, if you're saying to them, we're providing this space, for every one person that you're taking in, that is one person less they're spending on support services. You that know what was, I mean? Let, um, th- that was
2: that, like, a
1: legitimate, like, logical argument for it. So hopefully, you know, you're meeting in the coming week Call oh, bear more fruit because it seems like a bit of a no brainer. Mm-hmm.
2: I would think so, but I've been doing this for four months. I know, like, we haven't we haven't been at work yet, and also the undergrads aren't there. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, that's why I started so early because I knew they'd be slow, and I was like, if we just aim for when everyone comes back, as like a good time to to do this, you know. Everything can be ironed out, and everything can everyone can be happy yeah. prior to, like, instead of having to rush it. Um, but Absolutely, it has man. been it's been slower than I that, expect.
0: You would think that they could take the opportunity to get something like that's really ironed out and. You know what I mean? Well, well, but this is we're seeing this a lot across lockdown, where it's just people just going, "Well, let's just yeah. wait a minute, wait till we're back to normality before we make any changes." And you're like, "No, this is the perfect opportunity to just enact the change." Yeah, and then when we come back, it we can this- just get get
2: going. This is the time to review the work week.
0: Yeah, you know, and and if
1: ever was a time to put extra and additional support out to people that were struggling, surely now is that
0: time. You know what yeah. I mean? Well. With grief we being like really just like a, a massive part of like normal life, do you think that there should be some kind of education in the schools with people that are younger? So when Matt, we, we were talking pre-show, I was saying to Matt that one of my first experiences with grief and loss was I lost my grandmom at eight. And I I didn't I couldn't deal with it, like at that age. I mean, my my sister just brushed it off and was just she was upset she'd lost her grand, but she just kind of get back to normal as this, The weeks went on, but my mum's telling me that I had panic attacks at eight year old and all this stuff that I do not remember at all. And I think like this again along the sort of different uh, avenues that we've had and sort of. Mental health, like we're saying, like female, like issues when it comes to like periods and all these things that we don't want to talk about. It always ends up coming coming back to the schools, and the schools don't do anything on it. It's almost like maths, English, art, PE, right? Now go and deal with your life, but then you're standing there, you don't know how to run a bank account, you don't know how to deal with your emotions, and. Clearly, we don't know how to deal with losing loved ones. Do You think that that would be like the sort of gold standard if we could get it earlier, like sort of as as early as possible? Uh,
2: yeah, I would think so. But also, it wasn't that long ago since I was at school and we got we did get some kind of like you know um, social education, but no one paid attention. Um, we, it was a it was a class that we did once a week. And we got taught how to put a condom in a dildo. We got taught about periods. Are not using about... bananas anymore? No, we moved on. It means somebody at <laughs>
1: primary school was actively buying dildos. Like, um, so, sorry. I'll <laughs> get edited out, Mark. <laughs> 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 sorry, um, my, my brain got in front of my mouth there.
2: Um, so, yeah, I think we should, we should definitely put it in, but we also need to find a way to get kids to engage with it. So like, even like all the classes, there's always, some, there's always a lot of people who are, this isn't gonna to apply to me, or this doesn't apply to me right now. Like, the, the, the buzz phrase at school is, why am I learning trigonometry? I'm never gonna use that. Like, why am I learning this algebra? I'm never gonna use that. So like, when, if you were to come in and talk about, you know, someone dying, it might be a really, really sensitive issue for one of the kids. And also, other people will be like, you know, my parents are only 50. That's not going to happen for 20 years. That doesn't, mm-hmm. This doesn't apply to me right now. Um, I will be older when this kicks in. I'll be better at dealing with it. It's fine. Um, so, I mean, so, do you think it means that
1: it's, it's the, the best way to deal with this loss is, is a, a reactive way? Because it sounds as though it's really challenging to the point of not being
2: effective to be preemptive on it um i don't know no i um, um i could only speak from my experience and like from being of at course. school and like not but i would have loved to have had an understanding of what it was going to be like before but yeah. i'm not sure if i would have ever believed it fair enough so, like if someone was like you're gonna you might feel this way I'd be like, no, I'd, I've never felt that way before. When I get upset, I don't do this. And, yeah. Um. So maybe it would have to be on quite a personal scale. But then that's really expensive for for schools. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I think I agree with you. Like, I think even just talking to people, telling them, or people coming in and sharing their experiences, at least that if you. Or confronted with grief, you don't well, you know that your reaction is valid and normal and that there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're saying, like no guilt, like saying to people you you don't need to feel guilty if grief it manifests itself in so many different ways. Um, so some information up front, but without I mean, try to give people sort of grief support when they've not experienced it is sort of would be very, very much counterproductive, especially mm-hmm. to children. But I think just an informative sort of... I mean, we had loads of stuff that informed us about alcohol and smoking. We're going back a long time now. I mean, thankfully, Aye, you're, are, you're saying that things have moved on since Matt were at school. I didn't even get the banana. Never mind a dill. <laughs> like, uh, we, we didn't even get that. We, I don't we even remember... School, fair. It, I yeah. don't think like, condoms were ever really on the agenda there, you know what I mean? Aye, <laughs> we, get, we get religious education instead of sex education, which was like absolutely fucking useless. Sure. <laughs> but no Matt, don't <laughs> but the 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 info I think you're right in saying that if we had some sort of engaging, informative um I don't know, like the way that they did it with us was like sort of uh, plays and musicals and you yeah. went and it was almost like fun but it had a serious message just to let people know what you're saying. Look, you're gonna potentially face this, that, and that's normal. And in fact, when you do face that, here's what you should do, you should go and engage with your peers, you should find support groups. Like This is how we deal with our emotions, this is how we share them. And I think that's probably the most important thing that we could do is just teach people emotional intelligence instead of yeah. what's happened I- to my generation. And I think like, you might even stop with a generation that's coming through just now is that we're getting left to deal with ourselves we make some huge mistakes and it can impact you for many, many years after it.
2: Yeah. I think something that would be really valuable is, um, you know, how to deal with your friend that's grieving. Um, I, and then you would maybe get something from that personally, if it then happens to you. So there was, I can't remember which Instagram account and this is really bad because I'm not going to credit them. Um, they said, uh, a checklist of things to do on father's day for someone who has lost their father and it was like don't don't do this and, and do this uh, so things like um write them a card and say like you know um try and have a nice day and and you know if you want to talk to me you can give them an opportunity to talk about um their dad in a positive way so like my friends where well, they were great they'll listen to this too and they were great but not one of them ever said um oh calum do you remember that time your mum did this and we got to talk about it so um if there was that in school and my friends were like do you know what we should we should pinhole some time at a party to be like oh do you remember when your mum came out and smoked a joint was that was hilarious did that happen yeah, it did. <laughs> That's
0: fucking brilliant.
1: I've got to say, like, I like that way of framing it, but like as if, because you were saying one of the things that if we are going to educate kids at a younger age, it's going to be difficult to get that connection to, this has not happened to me, this is not my experience, but framed in the context of, what can you do for your friend if, it's definitely something I think that folk, or especially younger people, might be more willing to engage with because they're still learning the skills, but it's been framed in a manner that is about helping somebody else. And, it might make it more real, you know. I mean, I quite like that actually.
2: Yeah, because I definitely cared way more about, way more about my friends than I cared about myself when I was fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm. I would even thinking, you know, that if I was someone that thought this doesn't apply to me in terms of like personal education, mm-hmm. I would like, and you know, I've got ten friends. The chances of it applying to one of them is quite high. <clears throat>
1: Certainly, a conversation I wish somebody had, had me when I was a bit younger. Like, I wouldn't have been standing outside the 13th note patting you on the back.
0: <laughs> well, well, I think like, it's probably important to say that I don't judge anybody about the way that even I had mates that avoided me. And, and after my dad had died, and it, when they were all just guys that just had never experienced anything and just didn't know how to deal with it, so they just ran away for it. Or I had loads of people sort of say, congratulate me on how I dealt with like my dad's death like three days after he died I don't judge anybody for that like I don't yes, know how to deal with it I, you know what I mean just the same as like your friends like say hopefully if they watch it like you'll have no bad feelings towards them like we're talking here and we're try to spitball at some ideas at how we can educate young people to deal with us a bit better and we're sitting in 2020 and do you know what I mean we're Fucking try to send people to Mars but we still don't yeah. know how to go over the death of a loved one. Like this is, I
2: get no no bad feelings towards anybody at the time. Do you know what I mean? it's just yeah, all. exactly. Like I probably would have been the same. I would have, I would have I wouldn't have known what to say. Um, yep. Wouldn't wouldn't have known to ask um, if they want to talk about like something positive. If they want to talk about something negative, um, I would, I would have had no idea either
0: yeah is there what's the sort of next steps is there anything on the horizon for the group is it going to expand he's wanting to do more sort of social media engagement or like what's what's going to be coming
2: Um, up so we're not quite a charity yet so that's the next big thing to become a registered charity um i don't know how that is going to make anything different but um but i've been told that that's an important next step um also like not every city in, in the UK has uh let's talk about loss group, but every city in the UK has people eighteen to thirty-five who have lost someone. Mm.
1: Um
2: so that that's that's important too to try and to try and get more. Um yeah, and, and just like get more people posting about um about their grief through Let's Talk About Loss or through other um Instagram accounts, just to make it more normal. You know, the more the the more we um, say it's normal, the more normal it's going to get.
0: Absolutely. The more right. we talk about it, the more normal we'll get for people to just share. And I think it's really important that we have leaders like yourself and like the other people involved that are out there like role modelling what we need to do when we experience these big, massive hurdles in life. Do you know what I mean? Like, Definitely. And I think one of the, the weird, not, not even weird, but one of the strange things is, is that there'll be people out there that think by being open and honest about the issues that they find or that they the encounter in their life or the grief that, like you were saying earlier on, and oh, I don't want to put that on other people. That's a burden. You actually go up in other people's estimates almost every time I've shared, Matt shared on the podcast. We get DMs, we get mates. People people that I work with, that I, I work sort of four or five steps away from down in England, would come up to meet conferences and be like, I can't believe that you were on BBC talking about porn addiction and Matt's <laughs> alcohol addiction. And he's done podcasts and people are like, that's so brave of you. But then we always find that the people start to speak to us about, oh, by the way, listen, I've had this thing, Aye. and it's almost yeah. shocking sometimes where you're just like, why would you never come up to me before, man? And they'll just like, just never felt like I could talk to anybody about it. And this is what role modelling does; it just encourages people to be open and honest. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to just tell people where they can actually find the Glasgow? Because, I mean, although we we somehow get, like, 13 and 14 people listening in Russia and America and (laughs) Colombia, the majority of people are in Scotland and the majority of people are in Glasgow and the surrounding area. So do you want to just let people know uh, if they were looking to get in touch, where they could get in touch and, like, where the next group is? Yeah, so
2: we... We don't have our next meeting set up yet because we're trying to decide whether to do it in person or virtually still. Um, You know, that'll be weather permitting because we'll have to go to the park. Like, we can't just bring everyone to a cafe or anything like that yet. Of course. But, um, so, our website is uh, letstalkaboutloss.org and then, you know, anyone in the UK can say, click a location and it brings a drop-down menu and they're all there. Um, If you want to get in touch with the glasgow people directly um, this is really bad hold on a second let me just find out what our email address is
0: i'm sorry mate i'm um, it so up.
2: Uh, so our email address is glasgow at let's talk um, about loss.org uh, we don't have a specific instagram but um just at talk about loss is the general instagram um glasgow have a specific facebook group um if you just Type in "Let's talk about lost Glasgow." I'm sure it will be the top one. Um, you have to answer some some questions on that, which are you know. If you just answer yes, the model will still let you in. <laughs> you don't need to put it's, anything. It's good anything. to know we're not gatekeeping <laughs> anybody that's grieving. That's a good idea. <laughs> Um So yeah, that's that's how you can get in contact with us. That's amazing,
0: man. Listen, I mean Thanks, these I mean. are these subjects and they're, they're heavy subjects, but as normal, like I feel. I Don't know, I just it's like a cathartic process when you just sit down and you talk to people, and it's been a good conversation. Definitely. Um, a couple of surprises in there, even for me. Um, but I uh, it's been amazing talking to you, man. Thanks very much for coming on. Thanks, it's on. been
1: been great having you, mate. I really appreciate yes. having you in and the work that your group's doing. Best of luck with
0: Thank you so much. I'll edit this bit out, but see, just before you go, mate, I'm like a practicing counsellor, um, CBT, I, I do like. Coaching for people. See if you've got anybody that's struggling, even if it's no for payment, if for some free. If you don't have anybody that's that you refer them to, you can get in touch with me. Or if if you're doing like a Zoom call and like you think that somebody coming in and talking doing a talk about just the shit that I've been through, I'm more than happy to come and do it. So if you ever need anything like that or what like a mental health professional, give me a shout. As I said, I won't charge anybody that you refer to me. So i'll give
2: them okay, a couple
0: that's, of that's sessions good to know, man. thanks so much i offer that to like man on and all oh, the other sort of mental health groups that i've had done i just say to them if there's somebody that you think maybe needs a couple of counseling sessions i'll do it for your charge it's no bother at all so that's so lovely thank you so no much no worries mate all right thanks very much buddy. Yeah. Cheers.
2: Cheers, mate.
1: Bye, care yourself on. Bye.
2: bye
3: I made a promise To whom will to you So stop the party I tried to reconcile fire will make the party I see right through it the great desert to fade